Hello everyone. Welcome back to our podcast show Investonomy. I'm Harshal Mehta. In our previous podcast, we have extensively covered about investing into equities. And every fund manager from BNP Paribas to Kotak Mutual Fund have clearly mentioned that despite investing into equities, your portfolio should be balanced and you should invest into gold as well. obviously the stake of investment into gold the percentage may vary but there has to be some investment into gold so in order to discuss this topic today we thought that we should go ahead and know the integrities of investing into precious metals why only investment into gold when we can invest into silver and platinum also so in order to discuss this topic today we have the ceo of mcalveny wealth management and he's the ceo since past 13 years hi david mcalveny thanks for joining us arsha great to be with you thank you for the invitation you know before going into the nitigrities and you explain us what's the difference between investment into gold silver and platinum or as i call it investment into precious metals let's let's take a let us know what what is your background and how you you know came into the wealth management space and what is your driving motivation till now well thank you i am a part of a family business that goes back 50 years and my father was involved in getting gold ownership legalized again here in the united states it had been illegal for individuals to own physical gold from 1933 through january 1st 1975 and so he was involved in the lobbying process the political process to make that uh, happen again so we have a long history in the precious metals with gold and silver and platinum and palladium and we look at the metals as a complement to an overall portfolio we have two separate businesses one is a precious metals brokerage business and also an asset management company the asset management company deals with more traditional assets like stocks and bonds and occasional foreign currencies and our focus in the asset management business is still in hard assets just other categories of hard assets infrastructure specialty real estate global natural resources as well as precious metals mining companies so those are the two businesses that we're in and our goal is to help people diversify their portfolios on the one hand we have growth strategies which are really in the asset management company and then we have what we consider more of a defensive strategic positioning through the physical precious metals and for a long time gold was nothing more than currency and so historically that is the role that's played for hundreds even thousands of years where it is a means of exchange it is a store of wealth and as we've seen since 19 the 1970s the world has moved away from gold as a currency to buy and sell goods and services and has treated it more and more as a commodity but within a portfolio it has continued to play a very significant role still as a store of wealth as an inflation hedge as a volatility buffer and we can talk about some of these things um perhaps in our conversation today one of the points which you correctly mentioned that RBI uh, considers it considers it as a reserve asset with this backdrop we start off with a very basic question 
that where does gold derives its value from while you know just to give example for our a particular example for our listeners in order to invest into a stock market or equities the investor has its balance sheet or company's balance sheet what is company doing i think it's um it's important to know that central banks do still maintain significant gold reserves but they no longer connect those gold reserves to their currency so what changed in the 70s was not an elimination of the reserve asset but any obligation to exchange a piece of paper for the physical tangible asset and there was a direct connection prior to so now we have central banks which are a primary buyer of gold and it, it is a reserve asset you have commercial uses whether it's jewelry uh, or some industrial uses and then you have investor demand those are the three primary um categories one of the key distinctions between gold and what i'll call the white metals which would include silver platinum and palladium is that those white metals have more of an exclusively industrial demand profile so on the gold side you have central bank demand you have commercial demand you have investor demand in the white metals you have no central bank demand but you still have commercial demand and investor demand and the commercial demand is very significant if you consider the uses for platinum and palladium in catalytic catalytic converters if you consider the use of silver in in many electronics um these are these are very important components and uh explain where most of the demand is coming for which drives the price for all those metals you know historically even if we talk about let's say we talk about the current covid situation after you know the covid outbreak the markets had fallen we go back a little you know a decade back in 2008 9 there was subprime crisis the market had fallen and you know i'm trying to make a connection here that whenever the markets have fallen be it the example of a tech boom like in early 2000s or a subprime crisis of 2008 9 or a covid situation the 2020 the investors have you know transferred to or moved towards gold whenever markets have shown some decline or there has been some uncertainty into the markets the investors have gone ahead with investing into gold so can you please share what is it this combination or a connection between uncertainty and investment into gold like if 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 put it in a financial language what is the connection between the black swan moment and gold yeah so markets are driven by two sentiments primarily greed and fear and when greed is the operative feeling in the marketplace investors want to put money to work for themselves their hope is that they can make money with their money and they're willing to take risk to do that and that that sense of greed that feeling of confidence they want to take their money and push it out into the marketplace when fear becomes the dominant theme all of a sudden they want it back as fast as they can they want more control and so instead of pushing money out into the marketplace 
they start looking for ways that they can bring it back and have a greater sense of confidence. And so gold is one of those assets that does give that sense of confidence. You have more control. Specifically, you can take physical delivery of it. That means you may store it in a safety deposit box at a bank or at a depository in a major city, or you may put it in the floorboards of your home. Um, this is the reality is, is when people want control, gold is an asset that gives it to them. It gives them a sense of control. So um, I think that is why when you go into a period of uncertainty, the investor demand for gold continues to rise until, until that sense of fear um, goes away, calm re-enters the market, and greed re-engages. When it comes to black swans, these are things that are categorically unpredictable, and it causes a shock within the system. And that shock can be expressed in terms of a panic within the marketplace. And again, you see a movement as investors go from really not needing uh, to be in control, they just want to make much of money, uh, and now and now they want their money back. So as, 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 as one famous investor used to say, there's a period of time when you want return on your money. And then there's a period of time when the only thing you care about is the return of your money. And that really is where gold fits is, is we see this very systematically. Markets go up and markets go down. And so if you look at a, a long-term perspective as an investor and know that there are periods of greed and periods of panic, you know that there will be periods of high demand for a very scarce asset and the price will appreciate under those circumstances. So it plays a very critical role in an overall portfolio to have a balance and a diversification into gold and the other precious metals to help you, in fact, offset the losses which you're likely to see in other investments that you have in those periods of panic. So instead of having an all-in bet, a 100% orientation towards growth within stocks and bonds, this brings about a greater balance. It can reduce your potential loss and actually over a longer period of time, increase your total potential gains because you don't have as long a period of time to recuperate from losses that you might have in a market downturn. So that balance between being aggressively positioned for growth in equities and bonds and then having a defensive posture as well, this is really, really key. Now, what I called a shift in the mindset is that at least from a India perspective, India has always been into, you know, aggressive into investing into gold. Now, what happens is this was specifically for baby boomers. And just to simplify this for the listeners, baby boomers are those who have born, you know, back in 60s, somewhere 55, 50s and 60s. So now what used to happen, baby boomers always used to invest into gold. Now, what happens is there's a shift in mindset and millennials, what they feel is that gold is a dead asset. And I'll give my rationale behind it, that how it is a dead asset that real estate gives you rent. If you invest into real estate, you get rent. If you invest into stocks, you get dividends. 
and obviously the growth when you sell it's capital gains now when you invest into gold as you correctly mentioned it is not wealth generator it is wealth preservator agreed but it doesn't give you any income so what would you say for those young investors that obviously during uncertainty period as you mentioned that they have a sense of comfort or they have a chances of re- reducing their ro- losses so what happens is they might feel that instead of investing into equities at the time of uncertainties they would rather again invest into equities and average their buying cost so what will you say or how would you justify this particular mindset of investing into gold it's a perfect complement for what you just described because when equities go down in price you have to choose from what um bank account or pocket of resources to draw from in order to lower your average cost per share so if you're going to lower your cost basis is it going to be from cash or is it going to be from gold in the case of gold the interesting thing is when stock prices are coming down very often gold prices are going up so you have almost a leveraged purchasing opportunity where you're buying one asset at a discount and you're using an asset that is now selling at a premium to go buy that which is selling at a discount so rather than the static nature of cash you have something that appreciates in price in the context of crisis and allows you to treat it like a more reliable form of cash a superior denomination for cash and use that to do exactly as you said increase the total shares that you own in equities so one of the one of the things that i like to do is we ran numbers to see what the perfect balance between stocks and gold would be and we've done this back in the 60s and 70s and then again just in the last year or two and the perfect mix is around a 75-25 mix if you're looking at reducing risk and improving your returns a portfolio with that mix if you rebalanced it once annually and basically looked at the side of the equation which was on the losing side of the equation and rebalanced to that 75-25 mix you would have a far superior return than being in 100% equities and you say well how can you take 25% out of the growth generating capability and still end up with superior returns it's because of exactly what you just described which is having a resource that is actually appreciating and as you rebalance you get to expand the amount of shares that you own and lower your cost basis in the context of a market drawdown or crisis whereas other investors may have to wait and just play the patience game waiting for their equity portfolios to recover to previous high values right and also the investors will have a cushion on the prospective losses if they invest into gold that's right and 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 to be fair as you said gold provides no income and that is absolutely true and i i think um it's it's interesting that as you look at the history of united states banking we used to have banks that didn't pay any income and the reserves when you put money into the bank all it did was sit 
in gold ounces. And actually through the depression and through many of the financial crises in the 1800s, this was, there was a bank in New York called Chemical Bank. Um, and, and the nickname of that bank was Old Bullion, as in bullion gold. And you were not paid interest. You were guaranteed to get your money back. In other words, when you're paid interest on an investment, you understand that there's risk on the other side. Someone has taken your money and as an inducement for you to give them their money, they're paying you something. But there is risk involved. When Old Bullion made the decision or Chemical Bank made the decision to not pay interest on their bank deposits, it was because they weren't taking any risk with your money. And so actually that bank did very well through crisis periods. But income is an equation that I can be differently in the metals by having a diversified portfolio between gold, silver, and platinum. Because if you look at the historic ratios and the relationships between those metals, you can create the equivalent of an arbitrage between the metals and do even better than a nominal two or three or 5% income. What if in fact, over a period of a decade of owning physical precious metals, you could double the number of ounces that you own. The equivalent of receiving income and reinvesting it and owning more shares. Well, what if you could double the number of ounces that you own by playing this arbitrage between the various physical precious metals? For me, it's perfectly acceptable to take that approach and, and not necessarily see an income stream from the metals but have a solution to be able to expand my financial footprint, to expand and own more ounces over time as if, as if I had an income and was reinvesting it into the same. We'll account. be covering this particular part of arbitrage of gold to silver and silver to gold in the later part of our podcast. But one of the points which you correctly mentioned that, you know, banks not giving interest and only repaying your initial fixed principal. I just recollect of the recent activities and you know, your point is bang on correct to, you know, one of the recent activities, obviously. So what happened was the, recently China came up with these bonds uh, to access the European funds. So now what happens is in bond, particularly you get interest, but China came up with negative interest rate bonds. So what? happens is if you invest 100 rupees, you'll be getting back only 99 rupees. So yeah, you, you are, you correctly mentioned about that. And I'm sure what you mentioned, there are many other banks, in fact, to be more specific in Europe, they actually give negative interest rates. Like if you have bank deposits, you know, you, you won't get your initial fixed interest, uh, fixed principal. They'll deduct something and they'll pay you your, as you say, return 99 rupees when you put in a deposit of 100. Uh, I think that's unacceptable for an investor. And so our solution was vaulted.com and as a, as a superior denomination uh, for, for your currency and, and savings and buy it and sell it very inexpensively. Um, but that, that was our solution uh, two years ago and it's been very, very popular. Um, because the banking environment is, is changing so dramatically with low to negative interest rates. That's really very great. But just to, you know, simplify for our investors, 
so what what i'll just simplify it that what happens is when a investor deposits 100 rupees into the bank the bank through your system which is called vaulted will invest that particular 100 rupees into gold they'll in turn they'll give you some kind of paper or a you know or acknowledgement that your 100 rupees has been invested into gold and then whenever you want to remove that but that will be considered as a fixed deposit and whenever you your fixed deposit gets matured obviously you'll get back your 100 rupees along with the gold equivalent well so the, the one right? difference is that you're buying physical gold and it's stored there at the royal canadian mint so when you step in and buy it the price of gold may go up the price of gold may go down and you do have that exposure so if the price of gold goes up then your deposit is worth more than you put in because you've bought the physical asset itself if the price of gold goes down your deposit is worth less because of the volatility in the gold price you have to decide if you like something that's been around for 5000 years as a reliable store of value or if you would rather hand your savings over to whether it's the uh, royal bank of india or the federal reserve or the uh, you know european central bank or the bank of japan these are the people who are managing the value of our currency lower here in the united states we have a targeted rate of inflation of 2% in other words if i have a dollar next year it will only buy 98 cents worth of product because our central bank has intentionally destroyed 2% of the value of the purchasing power of our currency and this is becoming also very popular around the world to have an inflation target so even if i put money into the bank and i'm sitting in my home currency i have to ask the question how much confidence do i have in our central bankers to maintain stable purchasing value and stable purchasing prices within that currency and so for me i am comfortable taking the volatility of the stock or i'm sorry the volatility of the gold market um over the very predictable losses that i will take i'm being in any other currency obviously uh, the inflation rate has been hitting each and every one as you mentioned in us it's 2% in india back in india it's around somewhere between 6 to 7% so obviously yes people do have to consider that and then invest their hard earned money yes so this you know gets us to our next particular question that let's say a retail or a millennial has decided to invest into gold now gold you know you would know it name any person or ask anyone would just tell you that yeah go ahead and buy gold so gold what i particularly feel is the go to metal for each and every season you can go ahead and invest at any point in time but here i'd like to draw attention that why you know why not invest into silver and platinum obviously one can invest into gold but what are the other best options in metals like you currently mentioned that white metals people can invest into white metals as well so why do you think people should invest into white metals also that is silver and platinum and maybe you can just share some insights from either return perspective or liquidity Absolutely. perspective so the ways that you invest in physical metals are either in the form of physical ownership which could be coins bars jewelry 
And these give you the greatest amount of control. Um, if you don't care about control, of course, with control also comes inconvenience because you have to protect it. You either wear it, store it, um, or, or, or pay someone else to store it safely for you. But that's physical ownership. The second category of owning physical metals is through um, the equivalent of, of, of a stock exposure. It's just like buying physical gold and silver, except there's gold and silver backing the shares that you're buying. We call those ETFs or exchange traded funds, exchange traded products. That's become a very popular way. And there's, there's thousands of tons of gold and silver and platinum invested in those vehicles. It's as easy as buying a stock, but you can't take physical delivery of it. You have to have confidence in the trading platform that you're on and you are leaving the money with someone else. So there is a difference there. The third way of investing in the physical or in the metals is through derivatives and derivatives are far more speculative. Perhaps the returns are greater, but the risks are even greater. So you have futures and options. Those are the ways that you can invest. Our focus as a company and as a family for 50 years has been on physical ownership. And then in the asset management company in, in the form of owning individual companies that mine uh, gold and have their profits tied to the, the increase in the value of the commodity. So why invest in silver, platinum, and palladium in addition to gold? Well, as a reserve asset, I think gold is the most reliable and predictable. But as a speculation, as a growth asset, during certain periods, particularly inflationary periods, the white metals tend to outperform gold. This year, just as an example, gold is up 20%, silver is up 27%. And that includes a recent correction in price for both metals. When there is concerns or growing concerns about inflation, then the white metals perform much better. When there's concerns about deflation, then gold is the superior metal. So if you just chose one, a metal for all seasons, gold would be the metal for all seasons. But to me, to bring in silver and, and the platinum group metals, platinum and palladium, into the mix, they give you a very compelling way to increase your total wealth over time. And so this goes back to a relative relationship, a relationship between the metals. Let me give you an example. If I take one ounce of gold today, let's just say it's $1,800 an ounce, and I divide that number, 1800 by the current price for silver, let's call it $24 an ounce, that's going to give me a ratio Right, so eighteen hundred. Just do this math if you if if you'd like, so you can you can illustrate it to yourself. Eighteen hundred divided by twenty four is seventy five. What that means is that for every one ounce of gold, you could alternatively buy seventy five ounces of silver. Ordinarily, that ratio is closer to forty. It goes up and down all the time. It's not a constant number, so it's been as low as fifteen and as high as one hundred and twenty five. And that volatility of trading up and down and up and down gives you the opportunity to move from one metal, let's say right now silver, into gold when the ratio is considerably smaller. So you're always buying value. You're selling the premium asset and you're buying the discounted asset within the precious metal space. To do that over time, 
over and over again means that you'll be compounding your ounces. You'll be compounding the number of ounces, gold, silver, platinum, palladium that you own. And to me, that is a very compelling argument for owning the metals. They're not a dead asset. You just have to know how to play the game with the asset so that they're not dead. They could be if you just leave them alone and all they're doing is collecting dust, but you don't have to let a metals portfolio sit and collect dust. This, I think, is very critical and why I think the white metals do have an important role to play in a balanced precious metals portfolio. So let's say if someone wants to invest into silver or platinum, as the case may be, and in, in the previous point itself, you mentioned that, you know, as gold can be held in two particular formats, one is either digital gold or physical gold. So let's say if someone has decided to invest into silver or platinum, how would you suggest you know, for a young investor who is just started to, you know, just beginning to invest into pressure, white metals, what will be your advice to him and how should they go ahead with it? Like, is there any digital silver kind of thing? Yeah, concept, something of that you know, sort? if you think about the advantage of playing those ratios, one of the disadvantages of physical metals is that it takes a lot of space, particularly silver. If the ratio is 75 to one, do the math. That's 75 times the amount of space owning silver versus gold. People like gold because it's a concentrated form of wealth. Silver is not as concentrated. And so there is a, a logistic problem. There is a space and storage problem. There is a higher cost associated with the storage of silver. So I think one of the compelling ways to play the gold-silver ratio is to use those exchange-traded funds. I would suggest that some physical gold should be owned by every investor. But in addition to that, if you're going to play the ratios with a part of your physical metals, then look at the exchange-traded products, GLD, SLV. In almost every country, there are these exchange-traded products which have gold backing, and you can buy them just like you would buy a share of any company. And that gives you the exposure to the underlying ounces within a portfolio, and you can still trade the ratios as the price fluctuates and the relationship changes between those metals. So if for an investor getting started, you could look at your equity portfolio today do some research on the exchange where you trade, whether it's Australia or Switzerland or Shanghai, doesn't matter where you're at. You will find an exchange traded product with gold and silver. And there is even one for platinum as well. Um, PPLT is platinum here in the United States. GLD is probably the most popular gold. SLV is probably the most popular silver. There are other alternatives. Some of them have a cheaper, um, uh, cost structure to them, um, but those are the most reliable. They've been around the longest and you can own them. Just buy a share of PPLT, buy a share of GLD, buy a share of SLV, and you've begun the process of building out a precious metals portfolio. And just for more clarification, when, when uh, uh, so in, for India relevant terms, uh, whenever one says one ounces, it is equivalent to 28.35 grams here back in India approximately. So yeah, that was just for more clarity. Yeah. 
So we, you know, I had mentioned earlier that we'll be coming back to arbitrage between various metals, and you just gave us an example uh, of how it happens. Like now, this we would like you to explain how actually it works, the interplay with some, you know, examples. Like let's say if someone has invested, let's say hundred dollars, and they have bought gold. then how should they go ahead obviously uh, whether should should they purchase uh, what is the first step like should they go ahead and purchase the asset which is actually at premium or something which has been uh, the metal which is available at a discount and then switch to the premium asset what is the yeah, or a step in the process for between the metals then you always buy the discount and you always sell the premium so today you would argue for platinum being discounted to gold ordinarily it trades at a premium a healthy premium to gold so it's cheaper today about 50% less than the price of gold and ordinarily it's 30 40 or 50% more than the price That's of gold so platinum is cheap relative to gold silver is also cheap relative to gold if you look at the ratio again 75 to 1 today ordinarily it trades to 30 or 40 on the low side so you've got the opportunity to see that compression in the in 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 the ratio and to then when you get to a low number on the gold silver ratio take your silver which you bought at a discount and is now at a premium and exchange it for gold so that ratio the math sometimes people say well what's the price of the asset what is the price what's the price that doesn't matter as much when you're playing this arbitrage game it's the relationship between the two metals that matters the most so do that math like we talked about earlier 1800 divided by 24 gives you 75 that if you look at a historical chart of the gold silver ratio is on the high side that's when you want to be buying silver when it gets to a much lower number that's when you want to be buying gold And so the the beautiful thing that I I like about this Harshal is that as an investor you should always be looking for value. And 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 I I mean there's different ways to invest of course, but I think if you look at the great success stories of investors um around the world, they all had a nose for value. They recognized what other people would recognize a few years later. And they bought it when it was cheap. and they sold it when everyone else was clamoring to own it and that's how they made their money they made their money based on the price that they paid they bought it right so to me the gold silver ratio uh the platinum palladium ratio these ratios allow you to be always focused on buying the cheaper asset so you can do the same thing take platinum and palladium and look at the ratio between them today Palladium is very expensive compared to platinum. But that relationship changes too. Why does it change? Well, because platinum and palladium, one of the primary uses is in cars. And so the the auto manufacturers around the globe, it depends on if they're focusing on gasoline engines or diesel engines. And the demand will swing radically from platinum to palladium as purchasing managers focus on just one or the other as they get ready for demand from consumers for those cars so as the purchasing managers are going about 
stocking up with the metals, the prices between these metals swing radically. Today, it's maybe um, a, a two and a half to one ratio. We've seen it as high as four to one, and we've seen it as low as less than one to one. So there's as much as a 400% potential gain just by playing the difference between platinum and palladium. Always buy the cheap and watch the ratio. Price doesn't matter to me as much as knowing what the difference is between platinum and palladium. Do the division and it tells you what the number is. Same with gold and silver. It's a little complicated, but if you're willing to sit with the tension of and work through that complication, I think you'll find that a precious metals portfolio, you really cannot object to it. It's not as if it's a dead asset. This arbitrage opens up a whole new avenue of creating growth in what you are already considering a reserve, a protection, an insurance. Because again, this is, this is the part of your total net worth, the precious metals, which is a volatility buffer for what you own in stocks and bonds. It's an inflation hedge for what you maintain in cash. It, it is a store of wealth through time, right? So the, the, it, it's playing a very critical role, but it does not have to sit there dormant. If you're willing to engage in the metals arbitrage, it allows you to bring in a growth component, even to something that is really there, more or less as an insurance policy. Right, and this arbitrage, you know, if if worked out well, it could be a uh, retirement Absolutely. fund for me. So one last question before we wrap up our podcast show. What is your advice for those investors or people who really want to be updated with investments into gold, silver, or precious metals? Like how should they keep themselves updated? Should they read any books or, you know, even if yeah, they want um, to gain some basic so knowledge. A couple of resources that, that we produce that are free uh, that I think are very helpful. Um, we do a weekly podcast that's about five minutes long called Golden Rule Radio. Golden Rule Radio. And, and that's just on the metals markets. We also do a podcast. I've done this one personally for about 13 years every week. So there's about 700, 800 different episodes of it that deal with broader issues within the financial markets. So if you want an education and it includes public policy and it includes uh, economics and finance and investing, it's very broad in nature, weeklycommentary.com, weeklycommentary.com is a great place to go uh, for my weekly podcast. It's also available at McIlvaney Weekly Commentary, but don't worry about smelly, spelling my last name. Weeklycommentary.com is, is, will get you there. Those are two excellent resources yeah. for learning and education. Um, we go back to this issue of how gold fits in. And the advice that I would give to any young person starting out is to look at four, potentially five different buckets. Imagine that you've got buckets to fill with resources. You have a real estate bucket. You have a stock and bond bucket. You have a cash bucket. And you have a gold or precious metals bucket. 
The fifth is an optional bucket, and that's a bucket for those who are particularly entrepreneurial, and that might be your own private business. So real estate is the first, stocks and bonds are the second, cash is the third, precious metals is the fourth, and the last is your own private business. If you look at those buckets and say, over your lifetime, your goal is to fill them as much as you possibly can. Then the challenge for you is to figure out when it is most opportune to fill each bucket. And my simple suggestion is never overpay for an asset and you'll fill that bucket much faster. When you're looking at real estate, don't pay a high price. Wait until it's cheap. Hmm. Stocks and bonds. Like right now, we look at something called the Buffett ratio. Warren Buffett is a name familiar to most investors all over the world. We have a ratio that compares GDP, the calculation of, of the sum total of our economic activity, to the valuation of all the stocks in the U.S. stock market. Today, that ratio is the highest it has ever been in all of U.S. stock market history. In other words, at least on that measure, the Buffett measure, the Buffett ratio, stocks have never been more expensive. Now, you tell me. 10 years from now, if I'm putting hard-earned money to work and I'm putting them into U.S. stocks, am I going to be a winner or a loser? Actually, the odds are that I'll be a loser because I've paid such a high price. And that's not to say that I'm not interested in filling that bucket. I want to own stocks. I want to own real estate. I want to own cash. I want to own precious metals. I want to own my own business. But you invest in an opportune fashion and you practice patience and wait for value to be revealed. So I like precious metals today. I like cash. Frankly, almost anything else in the universe is very high priced today. Now, you can find relative values. For example, emerging markets are much cheaper than the, the developed world today. If you're looking at uh, European stocks or U.S. stocks, that's just a reality. You're going to get a better value going to uh, other geographies. But you look at those buckets and just be careful, be patient as, as you attempt to fill each one. And to me, that, that is a, a very simple way of organizing and prioritizing where you take your savings. The most critical thing that you can do as a young investor is save. If you don't have a job and you don't have money that's coming in and you don't have the ability to save, then you don't have the ability to invest and all of those buckets will remain empty. So the critical aspect for capital allocation is to have capital. This is the basis of capitalism, to be able to live on less money than you bring in means that you have a savings benefit and you get to put that savings to work, that capital to work in those five buckets. Thanks a lot for joining us and sharing your insights. No material on this podcast should be considered as a financial advice. The material on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The views represented here are personal and do not represent any organization. Mm-hmm.